way. Man, let's open our Bibles to the 27th Psalm this morning, Psalm 27. I've enjoyed um, our study and some of these selected Psalms the past um, few weeks, and I do want to make uh, one announcement. Make sure you're here next Sunday. We just have a pretty big announcement about the future just of our church, some plans, some different things we're going to present next Sunday, so I want to encourage you to be here if you can um, next Sunday morning. Psalm 27, the 27th Psalm, and we'll read through this, pray, and then uh, work through this text this morning. Psalms 27, the Word of God says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of His temple. From the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, the Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. My father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let us pray this morning. Father, we love you, Lord, and we do thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for the gathering of your people to sing your praises, Lord, to fellowship, Lord, to pray, Lord, to study your word. God, I pray that you would encourage us through your word this morning. God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, we thank you for these families this morning that are committing and, and deciding that you follow their family, and we, we thank you for that. Lord, we don't take that for granted. Lord, I thank you for those that will be baptized in just a few minutes. But God, I pray for these next, uh, this next little while, Lord, as we look at the 27th Psalm, Lord, as we uh, look at this writing of David. God, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that you would grow each one of us. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've died for us and you've redeemed us. God, give us a great day in your house today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. This is Psalmist David uh, once again writing. The last two Psalms we looked at were written by David. And this one, again, we don't know exactly where he was or why he's writing, but we do know this, he's writing about a time of trouble. And I don't know about you, have you ever had a time of trouble? Trouble, man, I hate that word when I hear it, man, trouble. It, it's, it's, it's things that, listen, that are disappointments, man, times that may not be good. Trouble uh, really could be defined this way, difficulty 
or a problem. Man, don't you hate having problems? Don't you hate having difficulty? Man, it's tough. It's, we go through problems of life. We go through difficulty. It's something that's regular in our lives. And it, it, that was true for David. Now, if you think of David's life, man, he had some major trouble that came in his life. If you remember his life at all, he has some relationship trouble. I mean, the enemies and false witnesses he specifically mentions in this passage. He spent much of his adult life from the time that he was anointed king and word got out that he'd be, be king running from Saul who was trying to kill him. He spent a lot of his life really in the kingdom of Israel as a, a criminal escaping from the king, hiding in caves. Man, he had some major relationship trouble. Man, David had some sin trouble, didn't he? Some trouble that was self inflicted. Man, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Man, that brought on some, man, some trouble. Man, some self-inflicted trouble. Man, he ended up having David's or or Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed. Man, self-inflicted trouble. Man, he had some loss and some death in his life. Uh, Bathsheba ended up becoming pregnant, ended up having a child that was David's, and that child end up, ended up dying. And man, the loss of a child, no matter what the circumstances, what a heavy trouble, what a problem, what a thing to go through. Man, the loss of your own seed, that one that was born with, with, with from you, listen, is dead. The, man, the, that, that'd be a, a pretty big problem, a pretty big trouble. I mean, he had some family trouble with his own children. David's kids, if you know your Bible, I think sometimes I heard somebody one time say, oh, that person's done this and this. They can't do this. Some of you would have to cut out the book of Psalms, okay? I'm just telling you. David's own sons were a mess. He had one son that committed incest, ended up committing rape. His other brother, his other son ended up trying to kill him. You've heard of Amnon and Absalom. Absalom then tried to lead a whole rebellion against his own father, David's throne and kingdom. Listen, he had a jacked up, messed up family. He had a lot of trouble, okay? Here's the facts. There's there's different kinds of trouble. There's trouble that happens just because of life, okay? That's that common grace type trouble that we all experience. Because we're humans, it rains on the just and the unjust. Unsaved people and God's people, listen, they experience some trouble. We're all going to have it. Man, there's trouble that comes in our life because we make bad decisions. Anybody ever face any of that? I have. I mean, there's some bad trouble that comes because I make dumb decisions. I may make a sin decision. I just make, make an unwise decision. There's some trouble that comes. Those are just a few examples this morning of trouble. We could go in a lot more of them. And the, the point I want to make before we dive into this text is this. There is self-inflicted trouble, which David spent a lot of time with, and, but there's some that isn't. There's some things we can learn in our text. We're going to teach through the text, and then I want to give you seven words to remember in the time of trouble, whether it's self-inflicted or whether it's just life, hey, there's some things in this text that will help us as we go through the troubles that we're all going to face at some point. Look at verse number 1 of chapter number 27 this morning. It says this. This is David writing. After all that, man, he's been through some things, relational trouble, family trouble, all kinds of trouble. And look how he starts. Look how he starts this. The Lord. Man, he talks about the Lord. He talks about the Lord a lot. He says this. The Lord is my light. That's how he starts. He had learned along the way that the Lord, when he says light, that carries the idea of this, the Lord helps me see. 
Man, he lights things. He brings things to light. He helps me see. And aren't you thankful this morning? If you're saved by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit indwells you, hey, we don't see things as we once did. Man, we can see things from a different perspective. He's the light in our life. That's what David, first of all, says. Now look at this. The Lord is my light. Notice what else he says. And my what? He's my salvation. And this is cool to think about. Even though David's family was messed up, And even though David had done some dumb stuff, he still trusted in the Lord for his salvation. He knew it was the Lord that saved him. It was the Lord that sanctified him. And look what he says in these next next couple words. Because the Lord is my light, and because the Lord is my salvation, whom shall I fear? He says, listen I've, been, listen, I've been through some things. I've learned as I was hiding in caves. I learned as I've, 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 I've ran for my life that he's my light and he's my salvation. Man, I shouldn't be in fear. Look at this. The Lord is my, are you got your Bibles open? Look at his next word. He's my strength of my life. David, somewhere along the way in trouble, learned he couldn't depend on David. He couldn't depend on David's way. Man, he couldn't depend on David's strength. Who did he, and he wouldn't have always said this in his life, but he's at a point here where he says, listen, I'm not my own strength. God is my strength. The Lord is my strength. And notice what he says, because of that, and this is important for us to pick up on, whom shall I be afraid? Because he's my light, because he's my salvation. Listen, I, I should not be in fear. Look at verse number two. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me, to eat up my flesh. Man, that's some wild language there, isn't it? They stumbled and fell. What, what that carries the idea of is this. As my enemies and my foes, as those were attacking me and trying to kill me, man, God protected me and they stumbled. They're literally trying to eat my flesh, man. They wanted to have me for supper. Somebody help me. Listen, this was the, they were the original Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know if I should even bring that up in church. I'm sorry. Listen, that he's saying this, they protected me. When they were trying to kill me, they protected me. Look at, look at verse number 3. Though a host should encamp against me. Remember, Saul and all his, his armies were after David. I mean, the host of the armies were after him. Look at this. The host should encamp me. My heart shall not fear. Even though I should be scared, I'm not. Because God's my light. He's my salvation. He's my strength. I should not have fear. Man, look at this. Though the war should rise against me. Look what it says in these next words. In this will I be confident. He's reiterating this again. The Lord's my light. He's my salvation. He's my strength. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to be confident in these facts. Look at verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to acquire in his temple. So he says this, because of all that, listen, I hope that even though I've messed up, although I've been through some things, listen, I'm going to dwell in the sanctuary. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. David knew that in God's house is where he belonged. Can I, let me just say as a side note here, if you're saved by the grace of God this morning, you belong here. You belong in God's house. Doesn't matter what trouble comes. Doesn't matter what problems you have. Doesn't matter what you're going through. It is God's, if you are saved this morning, it is God's will for you to be and dwell in the house of the Lord. Look at verse 5. For in the time of what? Y'all better help me preach this morning. We've been here for a long time. 
trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And notice this. He shall set me upon a rock. So David says, I've been through all this stuff. I've been in trouble. I know I need to be in God's house. And then he uses here, he closes this, this little part by this. Because when I'm in God's house, when I'm where God wants me to be, it helps establish my foundation. When I'm not in the house of God, my, house, my foundation is not as strong as it should be. When I'm not in the tabernacle, when I'm not in the temple, my foundation is shaky at best. Look at verse number 6. And now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer, here it is again, in his what? In his tabernacle, sacrifices of joy. So not only will I come into the house of God, not only will I be where he wants me to be, but I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy. I'm going to give praise. I'm going to give worship, even in the time of trouble. Because he's my light, because he's my salvation, he goes through all this list. I'm going to praise the Lord in spite of what I've been through. Look at this. I love verse 6. And now shall my hand... Head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Notice this. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. Man, I'll come into God's house and I will lift him up. I will praise him in the storm. I will praise him in the trouble. Verse number 7, he kind of shifts gears here. So he, he starts out by talking about the Lord, and now he goes into talking to the Lord. By the way, you know what that's what true praise and worship is? It's going, if you go and study the song of Moses back in Exodus, it starts out, he starts out about talking about God. By the time he's done, guess what? He is talking directly to God. That's why I love the old hymns. They talk about God, and they're good, and we'll always sing them here. But man, I love when we go from talking about God to talking to God. Somebody help me this morning. It's like this. If I tell you I love my wife. That's pretty awesome, right? Like, man, I love Sarah. Man, that's good. I should. But how much sweeter is it when I look at Sarah and I don't just tell everybody else about it. I look at her and I say, babe, I love you. That's what true worship is. It goes from just singing about him and worship. And that's what happens in this text. He starts out talking about and then it moves him into true worship, which isn't just talking about, but it's talking directly to him. So here he goes to talk directly to God. Let's see what he says. Look at verse 7. He makes a petition here. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. I mean, he has this feeling and he's communicating this idea of confession. Verse 8, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. He says, I heard that, God, you told me I need to seek your face. And he goes, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to seek your face. I mean, I can't think of anything more important to do in a time of trouble. Look at verse number 9. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. And by the way, I think as David reflected on his life, if he were to think about it and give a testimony, there was probably some times in David's life where God should have put him away. Man, after God's own heart. Committing adultery. Having one of his top generals murdered. Man, aren't you thankful though that God is a gracious God? And God is a loving God. And God is a merciful God. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my, I love this word. God, thou hast been my help. 
Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse number 10, this is interesting. When my father and my mother forsake me, look at this, then the Lord will take me up. And David knew what it was like to go through some family hurt. He knew what it was like to have a father and mother forsake him. Man, have you ever been hurt by somebody in your family? Man, you ever have some people in your family that don't understand why you follow the Lord, maybe? Maybe you go through some things and you have your own family who writes you off a little bit. What God, what David is reminding us here, listen, I just want to tell you this. Your family this morning may act like they don't love you, but God loves you. You may have had a spouse in your life that betrayed you at some point and walked away from you. Abandonment. Man, that's one of the hardest things in the world to go through. Two people that stood and made commitments at a marriage altar, and then one somewhere along the way says, I don't love them anymore. By the way, let me just say this. If you're married this morning, love is not a feeling. It's a decision that you make every single day. So people come in, well, preacher, I just don't love them anymore. What you're saying is you've decided not to love them anymore. That's what you're saying. He's saying this when they walk away from you. And I've talked to people, many of you, there's people sitting here, this morning that's been hurt in such terrible ways. And I just want to tell you this, if that's you this morning, God loves you. His love isn't like this human love that we have. It's unconditional. Sometimes we'll look at God and we'll think it's this human type love that we have where, man, there can be betrayal and there can be, no, His love this morning for you, listen to me church, it is unconditional, even in a time of trouble. Even when, maybe you're here this morning and you're like me and you had a parent that walked out of your life. My dad walked out of our lives and even signed, signed my sister and I over for adoptions, basically saying, hey, I don't, I mean, that's what you're saying. And you have to come to those moments when you go through that where, you know what, he may not love me, dad may not love me, but God does. I mean, my abuser may not love me, I verbally abused that physically, but God does. Wherever you find yourself being abandoned, we must be reminded David's reminded here, God loves you. So when you think about David's family, his own stinking son is raping one of his children. Man, I bet that David probably had some times there where he's like, what in the world is going on? Like, adultery is bad. Would everybody agree with that? But when you take it when it's your own son raping someone, and I'm not saying it's bad or worse, but that's just some messed up stuff in your own family. Right? I mean, that's heavy stuff. That's not normal in any culture. And he says, man, even when this stuff's going on in my life, I must trust God. Man, when it feels like there's no love in my family, I must trust the Lord. When my father and mother, verse 10, forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Look, look at verse 11. Look what he says to God here. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of my enemies. He asked God, he says, God, I need you to teach me. By the way, in our lives, God is teaching us all along the way. Every day, what you're going through right now, listen to me, right up here. What you're going through right now, God is trying to teach you something. You ever been in something in life and you just don't, you're like, man, why is all this happening? Why am I going through this? Why are these things coming into my life? There's nothing in your life and in my life that God does not allow or decree. And that's something we have to understand. Sometimes he's teaching us, sometimes this stuff just happens. Man, we've got to be aware. He says here, God, teach me. Look at it. Thy way, O Lord. And then I like this. Lead me in the plain path because of my enemies. He says, God, not only teach me, but lead me. And in order for God to lead us, what do we have to do? We have to follow. David's saying, God, teach me. I'll learn. God, lead me, and I will follow. Look at verse 12. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are rising up against me. 
And such is breath out of cruelty. Now, I don't know what the false witnesses were here specifically, but if you've you got to think about this. David had a little bit of history, didn't he? I mean, can you imagine the people in Israel talking about, oh, there's King David, a man after God's own heart, quote, quote. Slept with Bathsheba. Man, man he's, he's, he, you know, he's a hypocrite. He, he ended up having Uriah killed. He can't even take care of his own family. I mean, his son is sleeping with one of his kids, raping one of his daughters. His other son's trying to kill him. His other, is everybody tracking me? There was people that were, wah, 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 you know? I mean, that stuff's heavy, right? When somebody's talking, even if it's true, some of it. Over time, David ended up repenting. But I wonder throughout the kingdom how often in conversation in the hallway, in conversation at the house and around the dinner table, man, those type of things would come up. That probably hurt him, even though some of it was true. He says, man, deliver me. Lord, help me. When they, when they talk and as they breathe such cruelty, it's amazing that God will forgive, but many times we have a hard time forgiving. God will forgive us, but we have a hard time forgiving others. Look at verse number 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. David says this, I would have quit, but you know what I've seen my entire life through all these self-inflicted things and these things that just happened? Man, I've seen the goodness of God. Man, I've seen His mercy, and I've seen His grace, and I've seen His love, and I can still worship because I see Him for who He is this morning. And I love verse number 14. If you write in your Bible, uh, circle this next word, and I'll, I'll give you some other words here in just a minute we're going to talk about. But look what he says in verse 14 after all that. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Man, David had gone through some major trouble here, and that's what he's kind of talking about, man. This is what I do in a time of trouble. Man, these are the things that I rest on, on the time of trouble. And I want to just give you a couple words here. We don't have a ton of time left. But I just want to give you a couple words to think about when you go through a time of trouble. If you're not in a time of trouble, you're either coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. That's life, man. There's mountaintops, and there's valleys. There's good times, there's bad times. Some we can't control. There's things we can't control. There's trouble we can't control. There's some trouble we can control. But whatever kind of trouble it is, man, I believe in our text, we can learn something from the writings of David here, a man who knew a lot about both. Listen, right up here, everybody. Some things that we can take home. The first word in a time of trouble that I want you to notice is this. Look at verse number four. Verse number four. One thing... I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after. Look at verse number 8. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, the Lord will I what? Seek. First word, when we're going through trouble, that we can learn from David is this, is to seek. Man, to seek out God's face. The idea here is this, the presence of the Lord. What a desire to seek and to be aware of the presence of God. Proverbs 8.17 says this, Love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Listen, David knew that God was present when trouble comes. I want to encourage you, when that trouble comes into your life, look and seek and be aware of the presence of God. Hebrews 11, verse number 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, listen, and he is a rewarder of them, y'all seeing it? That diligently seek him. You know what true faith is? It's not just being here on Sunday morning, although you should be. We'll talk about that in a second. True faith is when trouble comes to seek God. Now, we seek so often, we seek everything but God when trouble comes. The first place we should run is so often the last place that we do. When we have trouble, man, we'll go, we'll ask, you know, we'll talk to people. And when we have trouble, we may try to go get some counsel. That's not a bad thing, right? I mean, sometimes we need counsel. Man, we might try to get some help from a family member. Man, we might try to talk to another person. We might try to talk to a pastor or talk to someone in our lives that God's placed there, an accountability partner or someone in our church family. But can I just tell you this? Before you do any of that, when trouble comes, the first thing that we need to do is simply just go to God. Do you know God can help you when nobody else can? God can help you. When you feel all alone, when you feel like nobody else in the world. Listen, he is there. So I want to encourage you with this. True faith is when you're in the trouble, when you're in the storm, not trying to manipulate it first, not trying to change it. First. Anybody else ever tried to change your trouble and made it worse? Anybody else try to get that situation and get ahead of it? Listen, the first thing that we need to do is stop. Think about this word. Seek. Man, seek. Look for him. This is why. If you look for him, guess who you're going to find? You're going to find him. If you seek him, you're going to find him. He is there waiting for you. So when trouble comes, the first thing that I need to do is seek God's face. The second thing that I notice in this text, look at verse number 4. So he says, one thing have a desire of the Lord that I will seek after. And this is what David was specifically seeking here. Look at this. That I may dwell in the what? In the house of the Lord. In all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. So when trouble comes, I say seek. The second thing that I believe the text says when trouble comes is this. Dwell. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Why is it when trouble comes in believers' lives, the first thing to go so often for us is church? It don't make no sense to me. Where you been? Well, we just been having a lot of trouble in my life. Well, I mean, I've gone through some things, and, like, you know, I just don't have time for it. Listen, he says, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, God's house. Verse 5, he says, man, in God's house, hide me, protection, set me on a rock, trap foundation. In the day of troubling, listen, in the day of trouble, he is in God's house gathering and worshiping. Let me just say this this morning as kindly as I can. God's plan for the Christian is the local church. A Christian who does not go to church is... Is like a married person that does not go home. It's God's plan for us to be here. Well, the church is perfect. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yep, and there's room for one more. Where do we get this idea that people are perfect? We're all messed up, man. That's why we're here. We all got shortcomings. Well, you know, and when people leave church, and listen, I know God leads people to other churches. I know that. I'm not stupid, Okay. I realize that. Sometimes I thank him for it. Somebody help me this morning. I get that. But you know people don't leave church typically over doctrinal things. Very rarely does someone say, I'm leaving because of doctrinal Typically somebody got hurt in some way and we can't forgive each other and we can't work through something. Can I just say this? Whether you plant yourself here or somewhere else, plant yourself somewhere. 
Plant yourself somewhere. You don't have to be here. Listen, I somebody said, well, I'm just miserable at church. I'll just be honest with you. I wouldn't go to church I was miserable at. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pastor one. So I would say, go somewhere. Dwell. Get planted, man. Be faithful. We need church. And if you're here and you're all in, this is our faith family. We're part of it. Listen, let's, let's be all in. Man, let's dwell all, I love what he says here, all the days of my life. I'm going to be in the house. We need each other, and we need church. Dwell in it. In a time of trouble, don't stay home. You know when I need church the most? When I don't feel like going. Am I the only one that feels that way once in a while? I'm in church. There's months where I'm in church every night of my life, legitimately. You know, sometimes that alarm will go off in that hotel room or at my house, and I know i got to go to church. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. i got to be around all these Christians. <laughs> you know, I'm joking. There's time, I love church. But there's times where I'm just tired. I'm like, man, I just need a break. Can I just say, how come it's what church we take a break from? You need a real break? Take a day off work. You need church. Huh? Hey, say no to that thing you got going tomorrow night. Well, pray. I'm just so busy. Hey, cut out some stuff in your life. Church, church, dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and I'll move on because somebody's going to be mad at me this morning. There used to be a day where everybody scheduled everything around church. Now we schedule, is everybody tracking me? Now we schedule church around everything else. That's not God's plan. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you this morning. Man, this, and I know our school systems and our sports, and I'm not being mean to you, man. I know, I know that's just how it works, and it's unfortunate that our culture's gone in that direction. I just want to encourage you, when you can be in God's house, be here, man. If you say, Jake, I just don't feel any better when I leave and I don't feel any closer to God, find a place where you do. I'm just being honest with you. Like, man, we need the word. I need preaching. You need preaching. We need fellowship. We need accountability. That's okay, man. If it's like, we need that. It's okay to be dependent on your church and on the Lord in those moments. So he says, first of all, seek. Second thing that he says is dwell. Man, dwell. By the way, we're living in some dark days. I'm reminded of this of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast. The profession of our faith without wavering. Listen, for he is faithful as he promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. He's saying this, we come to church to provoke each other, to challenge each other for good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Listen to these words. So much more as we see the days approaching. That's where people say, well, preacher, why do we have Sunday nights still? And why do we have Wednesday nights? Listen, I'm not against any church that has, doesn't have Sunday nights. When we all have different, man, a, that's a local church issue. But can I just say this this morning? I believe that that day's coming any day. We need more of this, not less of this. If you see how messed up our schools are, how messed up our town is, how messed up this place is, you, you, can't, convince, you can't convince an unsaved person that church is hurting. We need this, y'all. Let me just say this, your teenagers, your young people, your kids, they need to be in the house of God. They need an Awana teacher making them memorize verses. They need to be down there with every once in a while somebody get in their face and say, hey, thus saith the Lord, this is what's right in the world that we live in. You can live pure. You can do what's right. You can stand for Jesus in your school. And in your, is anybody tracking me here this morning? We need it. We, need, we don't need less of it. We need more of it, whatever that looks like for us. Man, I want to encourage you with that this morning. Then thirdly, look at verse 6. So he says, seek. He says, dwell, and I like this one, verse 6, time of trouble. And now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I'm not going to preach on this right now, but he's saying this. They gave, he, give with joy. When trouble comes, give with joy. 
And then look what he says here. I will, this is what I wrote down, the next word. I probably should have put give, and we should have had eight words. I didn't think of it until just now. Next he says this, sing. Sing. When trouble comes, sing. Anybody else think of some people that sang when trouble comes? Praising and lifting up the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 16, and the multitudes rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes. That means they stripped them and they beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who have received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And notice what Paul and Silas did. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Man, they were in prison after being stripped, being beaten. And it says they stopped and they sang praises. Can I just tell you something? When trouble comes, that's why church is important. Man, I, and I use Matt a lot as illustration because him and Ashley stuff's real real to them. Man, I love the fact that, listen, I, not one Sunday did that man ever call in sick or say, I need to stay home. You know what? He knew that God, during that cancer time, that he needed to be a testimony. And, and I didn't make him. I would have gave him the day. And he probably should. But he wanted to make sure that in the midnight hour that he was singing and he was praising. Can I just tell you something that's good for your soul? When all hell breaks through in your life, get in the house of God and don't let Satan win and lift up the name that's above every name. Hey, that'll make the devil, let me say, that makes the devil tremble this morning. That makes him flee. That makes him angry. And that makes him mad. Anybody can quit when hard times come a holy spirit let, let me just tell you something a person full of the holy spirit that believes god's on the throne hey when it's when it's hard and when it hurts they can walk through those doors lift up their hands in a time of trouble the midnight hour and sing praise the lord man singing will do something for your soul by the way maybe you have bad days all the time something that helps me sometimes is turn off some country music somebody help me this morning turn on some of that music it just starts talking about how good God is. Man, start your day off singing the song, like maybe the goodness of God. Man, I'm just telling you, you may not believe me, it'll do something for your heart and soul. When trouble comes, sing. Man, lift up the Lord through it. The next one, verses 7 through 9, look at it, we've got to hurry. Hear, O Lord, when I cry. He goes through these next three verses. You know what he does? He prays. Hey, when trouble comes, I want to encourage you guys, pray. Man, go to the Lord and ask Him. Fifthly, look at verse number 10. Verse number 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Man, he had trust in the Lord. He knew that Lord was going to take care of him. Let me give you these last two. We've got to go. Look at verse 11. Look, look at the first word there. You see it? What is it? Verse 11, teach. Lord, in this trouble, in this moment, what I'm going through, God, teach me something. You see, we learn in the experiences in trouble. God is often allowing us to be taught something. Learn the word. Learn from past mistakes. Learn from the testimony of others. Ask this question in trouble. Y'all listen to me. When you're going through that trouble, instead of just looking at the trouble, sometimes it's good to stop and say this, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what is it through this you're trying to teach me? Man, are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to teach me grace? Are you trying to teach me to love more? Are you trying to t teach me to maybe... Get, get in that position of humility and service. And then verse 14, here's all of it. When we do all those, listen, when we get to a point where we can seek and dwell and sing and pray and trust and learn, guess what a natural byproduct of that is? Look at the last verse. Wait on the Lord. He is of good, be of good courage. He shall strengthen that heart. 
wait, I say, on the Lord. The only way we learn to wait on God is when we trust Him, when we dwell with Him, hey, when we pray with Him, when we're worshiping Him. And then it's a whole lot easier just to step back and to wait on Him. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, but maybe you just need to think about these seven words. Men, are you dwelling? Are you seeking? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Is He teaching you? And are you waiting this morning? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet. Matt's going to play. The altar's open. There'll be some counselors down here um, that would love to take a Bible, would love to pray with you if you have any questions this morning. If you're getting baptized this morning, if you want to prepare uh, for baptism this morning, Matt's going to sing. Is all I need.